CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Jog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Jog All. Hello and welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag change. Today's topic is, do you have the chops to be a change leader? And our guest for today's show is Dr. John Carter, who is the head of research at Carter International, uh, Konosuke Matsushita Professor of Leadership Emeritus at the Harvard Business School, and is an author of an upcoming book being released on April 8th called Accelerate, Building Strategic Agility for a Faster Moving World. Good morning, John. Uh, how are you uh, doing here? I'm doing very well, and I was very impressed that you managed to pronounce Matsushita correctly. Nobody <laughs> No, that is so true. It was, it was a mouthful, but I'm sure I, I just tried here. So uh, how are you doing? How is life treating you? I'm doing very, very well, thank you. I'm staring at a palm tree right now, which, trust me, is not in Boston, where, where everything is under uh, feet of snow. So I'm in a very good mood. Very good, very good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, David Bowie once sang, uh, just going to have to be a different man. Time may change me, but I can't trace time. That song, of course, was Changes, and that's the theme of our show this morning. And what Bowie sings is right, because time will change things, and you'll have to be a different man or woman and a different leader altogether. We wanted to look at what it takes to be a change leader and if, if uh, we all have the chops to lead change. That said, uh, Dr. Carter, I'd like to ask you this, that yes, the, the world around us is volatile and it's becoming more and more so. And we are also demanding uh, of major change. Do you think we have not improved or we have not caught up with what it takes to cope up with such changes, or these changes are of a different type altogether, which we were not ever trained for? Well, it's both. Um, Part of the problem is the rate of change and the amount of disruption that comes with it has just been going up and up and up. Uh, You can dig into all kinds of data sets and draw curves that all look exponential upward, um, which means the, uh, however much change we've experienced in the last five years, it's a whole lot more than um, the five-year period 15 years ago. And I'm convinced that we've passed the point now where even the problems and the solutions that we had um, 10 or 15 years ago worked very well. Um, the challenges are bigger transformation when you put a bunch of change together, you use a big word like that, has always been difficult. Um, but it's even more difficult now on the downside. But the opportunities uh, in a swirly environment like uh, we have now uh, are bigger than they've ever been. As you and I and, and the listeners know, um, throughout history, I mean, going back to cave paintings, Nothing uh, like Facebook or Google uh, ever was possible. Um, that growth, that amount of uh, wealth, jobs, you know, uh, products and services in such a short period of time, 
That's not a just an anomaly. It's the world has changed in terms of change, and it's creating more and more challenges for us, which we've got to learn about and uh, act on. So, yes, so, so given your response, it looks like it is different and it is new. So do you think the core competencies that a leader must possess in order for them to be able to lead this new kind of change, does that need to change? Or we can say, once we got a PhD in leading change, then bring it on, any kind of change, and we'll be able to handle it. Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's an excellent question, the way you put it, Um because the answer, I think, is, is a bit subtle. It's both yes and no. You could take people who in the 1920s and 1930s, somebody like a uh, Thomas Watson I, who created the first um, global large-scale technological enterprise, something called the IBM, he, he, he uh, fostered an enormous amount of change in these three little businesses that were hooked together and and given to him around 1917 um, to build this uh, this new thing that would uh, uh, turn into a behemoth. And many of the methods that he used are still um, relevant uh, today. The same would be said for, on the political side, of Winston Churchill in the 19, early 1940s. Um, the challenge today is that because it's so much is coming at us so fast and in so many places, um, we can't rely on uh, praying occasionally for uh, a few more Thomas Watson the first, or a few more Steve Jobs or a few more Winston Churchills. Um, we're going to have to get a lot more people into the, the game, so to speak. Um, and thinking about uh, that the world is, is uh, always a matter of, uh, and your job is always a matter of getting today's work done and, and um, transforming things in a way that leaps you into a prosperous um, uh, future. And you can't rely on one great change leader. As a matter of fact, what a great change leader does increasingly is create other change leaders. Um, get more people, uh, maybe not as as, uh, as sophisticated as uh, uh, he or she may be, but into the game, doing um, uh, helping uh, helping with the chores. So maybe that's a good summary. Uh, it's not different in the sense that uh, you know, if you had Winston Churchill running your company today and he understood the business, you'd be in really great shape. Uh, the difference is today that Winston Churchill needs to be um, creating uh, and encouraging and drawing a whole lot more little Winstons into the game so that you can um, move agilely and fast enough to deal with the kind of, uh, of uh, swirliness and speed that is just going up and up and up all around us. Would you say that it is better to pause versus saying I'm going to start running faster because more is coming at me and then I'm going to try to juggle even more balls that I had earlier? Because in order for us to make change, first of all, we have to stop, take a pause and think and see how 
this will change the way we do things currently and how we will accommodate what new things are coming our way, which we do not have perhaps experience in. But if you say that we're going to hire just more people, there will be many more chefs uh, cooking the broth, then God bless us all. It's going to get no, worse. No, just, just racing ahead. Um, uh, you too often end up uh, looking like, you know, the rat in the treadmill and you don't even recognize it. And I think uh, the main thing when you, ha- you have to pause occasionally uh, for is to stop and take a deep breath and say, all right, with all this going on around us, what is our big, biggest opportunity? Just that. Just pause. We, we think we know or we think it's not a relevant question. No. no. What we have found is that it's, it's the question. Um, what is the biggest opportunity we faced right now? Don't don't race on to coming up with some kind of a great vision that you're going to communicate to people. Um, don't race on to uh, trying to empower the troops to make something happen. Just stop at that. What is the biggest um, um, opportunity? Because among other things, when when there's some clarity at that end. Uh, very often, uh, a few steps down the road, after you've paused and got that clear, you'll look at all of these balls that you're juggling, and you'll discover that uh, any number of them, really, you shouldn't be juggling at all. Um, they're not on the right. They're not on the critical path to anything that is big and important. Uh, and the name of the game is just putting them down. It, it, it is amazing how many. Uh, um, people we find, or how many companies we find these days, that have um, 12, 22, 52 change initiatives going on at once. And um, when they go through the exercise of taking a deep breath, clarifying, uh, usually with the senior uh, management committee doing it first, um, what is, is uh, stop strategically? What, is, what what's the big opportunity out there? How often they decide that of those fifty-two, maybe only eight or nine are the ones they ought to be focusing on right now. There'll be subsets of those eight or nine, and a lot of what they were doing was just um, kind of running around in in circles and wasting energy and, and wearing people out. So one is the number or the variety of different change initiatives. So we can definitely have them be reduced to a sizable or a manageable number so that they are actually tying to a good strategic set of priorities. And now you know you have clarity that these are the ones that you'll deal with. But then another is the qualitative aspect of how you go about even handling them because it's cool to have, I'm working on these, instead of 40, now I'm working on nine initiatives, but uh, the Devil is in the detail and in the implementation of, of right. uh, how you do it. So where do you think is the challenge? Is it more in the incremental changes that people are trying to make or is it in the disruptive changes that people want? So these nine, if you say in a given organization, would you say all nine of them turn out to be the disruptive changes and that's what they struggle with? Well, it, it can vary a lot. And I'm not sure if I'm if, if gotten to the point where I can make a good generalization. Um, that would be an answer to that uh, question, because you see all sorts of patterns. 
Um, usually you're not being disrupted in, in 19 different places. It's, uh, the big disruption is just in, in, in uh, one place, but it has lots of um, reverberations, if you will, that go in uh, lots of different directions. Hence, the clarity about what the what the uh, what the, what the big issue is. Um, and um, uh, well, let me just just go back to that again. Uh, I, I can't. This is what we've learned through this Cotter International Consulting Group, the work they, they've been doing over the last five years, that the power of getting it, getting this whole thing started right, getting a new way of operating, uh, which is uh, uh, strategically smarter from a, the point of view of, of uh, changing and transforming yourself to, to, to deal with the kind of environment around you, the importance of getting it right from the first step, which is clarity around what the big opportunity is, and then uh, making sure that you get uh, not just the executive committee and a few other important people on board, but that you get as many people as possible kind of to understand this and to get excited about it, to see the, 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 the excitement that's in it. In a, as a positive force, not a negative force, um, the engine that that can give you to go on to, and to do things that traditionally, uh, if you will, change management techniques can't possibly do, um, is is hard to um, um, overstate. Uh, so uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And let's inventory some of the top challenges many of the leaders who might have uh, been sitting down with you one-on-one -on -one and be vulnerable and say that I need to be the change leader. I am perhaps seen as a change leader, but these are the top three things which I uh, face in my given situation or no matter which change comes, I see that I'm struggling with these uh, three or four items. Which ones are those and which ones are the ones which we see as a common denominator across multiple uh, leaders that you may have spoken with or you see in the marketplace? If that could be solved, then life is good and most of these change leaders will be as effective as they can be. So listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be right back. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HPE is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. 
Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Dr. Carter, if we were to inventory the top challenges which these leaders who are from the from the organization standpoint, they're looked at looked like as heroes who can make anything happen, but they sat down with you perhaps, or you've heard them talk about their top challenges which they grapple with. And some of them are chronic and others that they were able to solve. What were those or what are those? Okay. Uh, number one is uh, it's, it, it's um, most people that come to me um, think they have uh, already gone two or three miles down the road and they're beginning to run into some problems and want to talk about those problems. And I say, well, let's go back to the beginning for a second. Um, what's the sense of urgency in your organization that something has to be done and um, not just a little bit differently, but, 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 but significantly differently to be able to, A, survive, uh, and B, prosper, really win-win big. And uh, virtually everybody will say, um, uh, the people that will come to me because they think they've got things going well, uh, that's not a problem. We've got a burning platform. Everybody recognizes it. Now let's go on and talk about something else. And what we have found is that it is an exceptionally rare place that has a clear sense of urgency among lots and lots of people about, about some specific big opportunity that the organization has faced. And what that means is that you've got lots of your people that are coming in every day, not just to do their job, but who literally have in the back of their head uh, a third eyeball, that the metaphor doesn't quite work, but you understand, uh, looking constantly for opportunities throughout the day to, to push the ball ahead on, um, on um, whatever that uh, opportunity uh, issue is and feel some sense of urgency that they need to do this, even though this isn't a short-term, um, uh, one-week uh, crisis. It's a much longer um, uh, play in making your uh, organization win. Um, people underestimate, really, really smart people underestimate constantly um, that they haven't got that right. They think they have. Uh, uh, no, you need to get that right uh, uh, first. If you can tell me, that you can show me that 51% of your people literally um, have a common idea line, understanding of what the big opportunity is that will require these significant strategic changes and are coming into work every day not only to do their job but to to want to help with that, then you're in a position to really make something um, happen. Uh, and the most successful cases that we have seen in the last decade are people who understand that and who follow through on, on, on just that. So that's, that's one thing. A second thing is, uh, it's just this, it's this numbers bit. You gotta, uh, increasingly the most successful people who are uh, good at, um, getting their firms to make the right strategic changes fast enough, um, to, uh, win big in a, in a world driven by, uh, increasing globalization and technological change, uh, don't think of themselves as the underlying the change leader, 
but as um, a central leader that is going to help attract and and um, 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 create around them lots of lots of change leaders, um, lots of people who have that sense of urgency and who want to follow through with that, would not just um, managing the, uh, the the changes that are going on, but leading this simple distinction, which I made years ago, between management and leadership, is is still today vastly misunderstood and creates so many problems. Both management and leadership are enormously important in in running companies. Uh, they just serve different purposes and they do so in different ways. You know, the management is all about the planning and the budgeting and the structuring and the staffing and the metrics and the and the like. And leadership is all about the the, the, the softer stuff. It's about the the, the vision and the and the communication and uh, and the passion and the heart and the empowerment. Um, the management uh, makes things work today. You know, it makes the trains run on time. Uh, leadership is at the heart of uh, creating uh, significant um, uh, changes. In a world that isn't changed, changing and that you've uh, got an organization that's doing quite well, frankly, you don't need much leadership. Just manage the thing well. Um, but that's not the world we're living in now. The rate of change is going up. More and more leadership is needed. To repeat again, one great change leader doesn't do it. You've got to get more and more people into the game, and you have to help them understand that they're getting into the game to, in their own little arenas uh, to help provide leadership, leading change, uh, to make something uh, important happen. Um, so, clarifying your own head and other people's head, the difference between leadership and management. And getting more and more people into the game does not mean, not mean we have found again and again, um, assigning them to this new uh, part-time or full-time job that has to do with a change task force. Um, uh, you can't afford it. You can't simply afford to have... Um, uh, large numbers of people uh, uh, assigned to specific uh, initiatives and uh, committees and task forces that are associated uh, with your various strategic uh, initiatives. The dollars add up too much. What you need are people who um, are uh, you allow to and who want to um, um, engage in these activities because they think they're meaningful, exciting, and important. Um, and the only way you're going to get people to basically do almost a night job in addition to their day job is not just because they intellectually see the business point, you know, the business case, and it makes sense to them. Um, it's because it somehow has caught them um, at, a, at, a, at a deeper and emotional level. I mean, I know that sounds squishy and soft, but it is – Right on. I mean, uh, there is this saying, you know, I don't know how far it goes back. I know John Adams, second president of the United States, used it in, in uh, one speech. Uh, Great leaders win the hearts and minds of men. Um, and notice which of the two things they even said first. It's not minds and hearts. The, the, people's hearts have got to, you've got to be in this which is why they will volunteer 
to get into the game, learn something about how, how they can help provide the leadership to make the strategic changes, to make you move faster and um, deal with a disruptive um, in, environments. And far too many people don't have this kind of heart piece thought through very carefully. Um, and, but you can. We've, we've, we've taught people and because they've wanted to win. I mean, that's, it's all based on that. Do you want to win or not? Do you want to win big or not? Um, we've taught them all of these points, you know. Uh, you've got to think about not just yourself as leader, but getting lots of other people to be in the change leadership game. Uh, it's leadership. It's not just management. And they're not going to do this on a voluntary basis, essentially. Uh, which is what you need for the economics to work on unless their heart is in it. Um, and you've got to find ways to get their heart in it. So those are a few ideas for you. Great. So uh, th- what you just mentioned about winning their heart or at least appeal to the, the people's heart who, who will then come on board and run with you. Now, when an organization is uh, requiring change and the, the individual leader who's supposed to make this successful is by hiring other people or bringing people on board – some of them may not be fully bought in up front. There could be a journey to be, uh, you know, uh, they should be leading that journey so that these people slowly come on board because some of those skills and experience that is required to bring about change, which could be in people, process, and technology or whatever else that is uh, at stake there, the the skills may not be missing in all people who have bought on, and they're the people who have not totally bought on may have the required skills. So how do you juggle? How does a leader, uh, is, is, in your view, should the leader bring all types of people and know that there is an agenda for him or her to slowly work on the people who had the skill but not totally bought on, or just wait before they get anyone? Uh, but if you do that way, you will never get the change process started. You see where I'm no. going with this? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you need to get the thing started and then get enough people helping you again so that they are uh, getting more people on board. And just accept the fact that you're right. Not everybody is going to get into this uh, on day one or even uh, day 30. Um, it's like the, uh, the people who first studied the adoption of new innovations I think it had most, mostly to do with um, um, new technologies in agriculture. This is century or more. What they discovered is uh, when it was successful, people came on board in kind of waves. The first uh, people that I think they call the early adopters, these were people that very quickly uh, were, were attuned to uh, spotting uh, new opportunities and just had temperamentally wanted to uh, act on them. And then you got the uh, another wave, and I forget it was exactly the names that they got them, all the way to the fact that there are a certain percentage who never get on board. But the name of the game is in, uh, in the successful um, adoption of those early uh, agricultural technologies, and it's the same today, uh, regardless of what kind of a business you're in, is to uh, get the momentum going, get the, get the so-called early adopters into it, get them to grow to the early majority and, and then out. And it happens, um, not the least of which, is through uh, uh, micro-successes. We call them wins. 
you get something going and you start producing. It's not just words. It's not just in two years we will, you know, have beaten Microsoft in their Xbox uh, uh, group on uh, in this particular sub-business. Um, it is demonstrated little successes that then you uh, make sure get communicated around and celebrated. And if you're relentless at that, uh, starting with the early adopters, uh, the people who kind of get into this uh, r- right away, um, that helps uh, create this uh, flow and momentum and getting more and more people into the game. So another lesson, huge lesson we've learned is this, this importance of actually getting concrete little medium size and big wins um, as soon as possible and keeping them coming and keeping track of them and communicating and celebrating because uh, some people it only takes a few wins to kind of get them to say, hey, there's really something important going on here. I want to be a part of it. And for some people it takes a whole lot, and then there are always a few that uh, no matter what you do, they're not going to pay attention. But to get that momentum, to pull more and more people into it, uh, crucial thing. Think of uh, uh, wins. What wins have we have we gotten this week? And don't and don't um, always look for just big economic figures. Little things can be very psychologically and um, practically um, important. Um, it's some stupid uh, form uh, all management has to fill out, you know, once a week uh, because of uh, some leftover problem from the 1930s um, that goes into the, uh, the financial office. And everybody hates it because it doesn't seem to serve any purpose. Just eliminate it saying you're no longer going to use that reporting form. You don't have to spend... Uh, half an hour once a week filling this thing out. I mean, it's not a specific win that ties to revenue or uh, profitability or um, a big customer success, but for the people who are hating this, who thinks this is, that, 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 little, that little time demand is disrupting uh, their capacity to uh, do their jobs well and to cope with an increasingly swirly environment, um, the, the elimination of that is a huge win um, and should be treated uh, accordingly. So, so let's take, yeah, why don't we take it? And win, 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 win to pull more people into it. Great. So let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and uh, look at some of the things that, uh, Dr. Carter, you mentioned in terms of hiring the people who are really on board and communicating to them the vision and the strategy and then, of course, create the wins. So definitely a great approach. Now, the, the issue with some who have not yet been able to successfully uh, lead the change could be starting from how they communicated. So is that an art form? Is it an acquired skill or people are just born with it? What should they be saying or doing in order for that vision to be communicated effectively so that people are self-motivated to join the bandwagon? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. 
HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Dr. Carter, do you think the leaders actually struggle? And then we're not talking about the celebrity leaders who've been there, done that. Right. Majority of them, they have this core issue with communicating their vision effectively to their team, and that becomes right. which which basically becomes the foundation. What 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 should they not be doing, which will uh, you know undermine their efforts? Okay, um, two or three things. Uh, one is uh, 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 not assume, which people do all the time, that just because they've had an intelligent conversation, which kind of lays the, the vision out, uh, that, of course, makes so much sense to them. And it's hard to imagine that once a group of five or 50 or 500 has been told that, that they wouldn't see it, too. Uh, that that's going to achieve uh, uh, the job. Uh, an interesting exercise is running the numbers sometimes. Uh, how much time have you spent uh, communicating um, your vision of uh, the kind of changes that are needed to, to, to deal with a changing world, literally? And then uh, take that as a percentage of uh, all the hours you put into your job during a year and kind of stare at this thing, which will be like 0.001%, and ask yourself, if this is important, is that going to do it? Um, number two is don't assume uh, that it's just your job. The, the, the way that a lot of this communication gets done well is it gets off the back of just the one change leader, and lots of other people, in a sense, help out in small ways. Yeah, I mean, it's quite logical. If you think about it, 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 ten people out there communicating the vision is a heck of a lot better than one. A hundred is a lot better than five. Um, many people would think incorrectly that you couldn't have large numbers of people all saying the same things and finding a way to get it into their work and communicating. You can um, we've seen cases where literally hundreds and hundreds find ways in the regular workday because they've got it in their head and they think it's important uh, to be constantly communicating this um, um, uh, strategic vision. And they only do it because the original boss, the key player, has got it clear in his head that it's not just his job. 
and he shouldn't just wrap his arms around it and take it on as a responsibility just for himself. Major problem. And the third thing is, uh, despite the fact that business tends to be very analytical um, and business schools have become exceptionally analytical places, um, if you look at any great leader throughout history, when they're talking about um, um, their vision of what's needed to, uh, to be done, uh, what they need to look like in uh, uh, a year or two years or three years, or even more fundamentally what the big opportunity is, uh, they find a way to talk not just in business case terms, but they find a way to talk about it in a way that people feel, underline the word feel, is meaningful. That is to say they speak to the kind of emotional side of us. If you can't get both parts of the brain into the game, the emotional part and the analytical part, you're simply, the evidence is overwhelming. You're not going to get enough horsepower um, into uh, actually making some significant small or strategic changes uh, that will propel a business to win in the kind of environment we're in right now. Uh, so think hard, too. Now, if you're an engineer or an accountant, I was an engineer, so I'm not making, I'm not shooting at other people. Um, you think, well, I, what do I know about that? You know, I'm a very analytical person. I have seen everybody, everybody, you know, has this this piece of them, and it's just a matter of getting in touch uh, with it and then talking about it because other people have the same. Um, um, feeling these too. There, there is no business. Some people say to me, "Well, there's nothing." I mean, our business is a very boring, pedantic business. There's nothing really exciting or or, or 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 heartfelt, meaningful in it. There is no business that I have found yet that, if you look at it from the right direction, you can't see um, something in it that people. Um, Aren't going to if, if 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 you get off the if you if you stop making the mistake of talking about it totally in analytically business number terms that people can't get um, excited about if if no other reason than simply the pride of creating a great organization or the pride of creating um, uh, the biggest winner in in your industry. Don't underestimate those uh, those feelings. So, don't don't communicate the vision just in analytical terms. You know, think think about the heart too. Don't do it just by yourself. You're going to need lots and lots of other people uh, to help. And don't just think because you made a great speech or had a great meeting that that's going to be enough to uh, to actually get it inside other people's brains when, and win them over. It won't. It's not enough. No, you did mention about, you know, the hard part. And, and, of course, you know, you are going to be doing it as a leader with your lieutenants so that you pick the right ones. But then the change is not just impacting these few people who are going to work with you who have bought into it, but it's going to be pervasive throughout the organization. How do you know that the whole organization is ready to embrace that change 
because otherwise your efforts would be undermined and it will be an uphill battle for everyone because especially when you mention in order for you to have success uh, the ultimate success you need to have these micro wins and those micro yeah. wins will come from people who are in the trenches who are doing the job uh, at maybe the lowest level in the totem pole but we do not know if those guys are bought into the vision yeah. or the change yet yeah i recently i was just uh, somebody showed me a um, um, just a questionnaire that must be uh, an instrument that you're supposed to give out to everybody in your organization that was called, I believe, a change readiness questionnaire, which was supposed to tell you as the boss uh, how um, ready is your organization for making some uh, big strategic change. Um, there was a time when I think that was a very it was a very clever tool, very useful tool. Increasingly, I'm not sure it, 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 it's useful at all. The issue, increasingly, the issue isn't are they, uh, are they ready or not. The issue is you've got to make them ready. Uh, I mean, they've got to be ready. So learning that they're not ready, I mean, that all that says is, uh, okay, um, uh, the, 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 there is a rare organization, there is a rare person that I've met that's actually playing a great um, leadership role in helping his or her company um, make big strategic adjustments to deal with an increasingly turbulent world um, in which their organizations are always ready. I mean, they're they're just not. People are always a little hesitant to uh, uh, race in new directions. It's just so don't measure it. Just assume uh, it's going to be a challenge and get out there and do everything to make them more ready all the time. And that lifts back to uh, much of what we've talked about um, um, for the last half an hour, uh, uh, making sure that, that you have some clarity with your own team about what the big opportunity is, making sure that, that is being communicated relentlessly to everybody. Um, in both uh, the business terms and in more um, um, emotional terms, as the uh, as the, the early people get uh, excited and want to help, let them help uh, and get them going and produce wins to produce credibility and get more excitement and pull more people into it, um, uh, and on and on and on. Uh, it'll never be as ready. If you if you think in binary terms, is it ready? Yes. Is it not ready? No. Um, like this questionnaire that I was just talking about um, um, did basically as a as a final output. Um, it, it's just going to slow you down. Um, uh, the name of the game is uh, no. They're they're never going to be as ready as you want them to be. You got to create a process that just pulls more and more people into wanting to do it, help helping do it, and pulling more of their colleagues into also wanting to and 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 helping to. Um, and the faster the world moves, and the more the left and the right turns and everything else. Uh, the uh, the more that uh, you just not it's going to be inevitable that we find that people just aren't ready for that. We're, uh, 
none of us have grown up with careers uh, in a world that's moved quite as fast as it is now, and it's going to be moving even faster um, five years from now. Uh, if we go back to our hard wiring, uh, and you look at human history going back hundreds of thousands of years, everything moved uh, compared to today at a snail's pace. So we're not hardwired for this stuff, you know. We're not hardwired for embracing kind of radical change and racing with it. Uh, we have to overcome that, and we can. We can point to instances, brilliant instances, where people have uh, overcome that. Um, uh, so just accept they're not going to embrace it. They're not going to embrace it as fast as you want. But your job is to figure out the right process, to get the, the, the right focus, uh, more and more people involved, more and more wins, um, to make it happen despite all of the, uh, the challenges, the natural barriers, the, uh, the hardwired problems. I mean, you know, you can sit around and make excuses, which people do. You know, this is tough because of A, B, C, D, and E. Or you can say, no, this is the way life is these days, and it's going to be even more challenging in the future. Um, let's just accept that it is possible. Make the, make, make the leap of faith that it is possible to deal with this, that I can be a, uh, a better change leader than I have been in the past, and get on with it. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Dr. Carter, if we were to look at the change that we have seen as uh, an end goal, of course, and change could also be happening incrementally throughout the whole process, there could be multiple paths to that holy grail. If if we are just after the change, then there should be enough freedom allowed to all people within the organization who are going to participate in this change process to make their own mistakes, to learn from that whole process and eventually work cohesively towards that one goal, even though they may have different paths that they suggest. To what degree the freedom and the immunity is offered to people who are invited to participate in the change versus just saying, this is the direction we are going to go. This is how we're going to do it. And I'm going to appeal to your heart and, and I'm going to show you micro success. And that's how uh, change is going to happen. What has worked traditionally and in what all way the immunity and freedom has been imparted in an organization without jeopardizing the very business interest. Please stay tuned listeners. We'll be right back. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. 
If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So there are multiple paths to what we want to accomplish. And the challenge with many could be that they have maybe a predetermined or preconceived thought of how it should be run. But is that going to be the, the recipe for success or is it going to undermine? Oh, there's no question about it. As, as speed goes up, predictability goes down. More things happen that you can't, that you didn't anticipate when you drew up the quote, the best plan, and, which means you'd be readjusting your plans constantly. Um, so, freedom, uh, freedom to let people use their minds, which means they will make mistakes occasionally, but they will learn from mistakes. Um, and uh, uh, weave their way, you know, uh, uh, to the end result is, is, is just absolutely essential. See, if things are predictable enough, uh, the, the jump you're trying to make is small enough, um, the resistance you're going to run into is, is, uh, is uh, not, you know, huge, you can't. Smart people can put together a plan and say, okay, guys, this is the vision, this is the plan, do it. Um, increasingly, for the important things that are happening around us, that's not possible. Uh, and, um, and the person who gets so caught up in their own success, um, because they are so capable and they are so smart, and who thinks, therefore, that they can put together or their people can put together the best plan in the name of the game It's just for others to shut up and execute, that is becoming a very, very, very tragically dangerous attitude, um, again, because of the increasing rate of uh, change. Uh, you can't predict out long enough to have the perfect uh, two-year plan. People you're going to have to rely on people to adjust on the fly. Um, that means you're going to have to allow them uh, freedom. Once you do this, they will make mistakes. Um, you just want a process in place that makes sure that as soon as people make mistakes, others catch it uh, so you don't just inadvertently bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. And that's easy enough to do. Um, and the path, uh, increasingly in, a, in an unpredictable world, there may not be any perfect path. There may be multiple good paths um, that uh, your people will figure out if they're given the guidance and the freedom. Um, and the name of the game is just getting to the right end point and getting there as fast as and as uh, as and agilely and smart as, as uh, possible. Uh, so the whole idea, just to go back and summarize, of okay, here's the vision, here's the plan, execute, is increasingly uh, just not the way the great things are um, happening. Um, any entrepreneur would know that. Any successful entrepreneur knows that. Uh, you know, at first they're they're all. I mean, it's. It's all scramble. <laughs> it's all scrambling with a lot of people having a lot of uh, uh, freedom to try different initiatives and drop them immediately. 
uh, learn from mistakes, uh, race on, and that's, uh, in a sense, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a bigger conversation, which we can have right now, um, where the world is going to go. We're going to build these large organizations that are meticulously managed, uh, as we've learned through hierarchy and planning processes, and et cetera, but are also going to have a component built into them um, that looks much more entrepreneurial. It's much more network relationships. It's uh, people with a lot more um, um, freedom uh, to provide the leadership to make something interesting happen. Um, uh, and if there's a, a, a single issue, maybe right now I pass on to your listeners, it's uh, you really ought to look in the mirror and ask yourself how much you are at some level, you've been trained through experience, I mean, you're smart, to be nervous about giving your people too much freedom because you've seen the problems that that's caused in the past. Um, uh, if you act on your own nervousness in this different kind of environment we're in right now and don't give them the freedom, um, there is no way you're going to win big, or at least all the evidence we see. There's no way you're, you're going to win big. Would you say that uh, a leader should aspire to uh, become a, like, you know, is there is there a definition of a role model of a change leader that you would want to leave our listeners with who who could be emulated? Well, style wise, people can do this in lots of different ways, different personalities, you know, introverts, extroverts, um, um, more uh, comfortable in public speaking, less comfortable in public speaking. I mean, there are lots of things on the surface that could be different. Therefore, there is no single model to emulate. Um, I think if you want to emulate anything, it, it's just uh, um, uh, anybody, anybody, no matter what they look like or their gender or their nationality or anything else, that has absorbed into his or her brain the fact that the world is moving faster, it's more disruptive, that's going to require a new way of doing things, that's going to require a whole lot more changed leadership from you, and that means probably not doing things you have in the past. It doesn't require a particular style of personality, but, you know, let's go down the whole list again. Get some clarity around uh, in your own head and your, and your team's head about what the big opportunity is. Um, start getting more and people, more people uh, in the organization, throughout the organization, to develop some real sense of urgency about not just doing their day jobs, but doing that too and doing something about that too. Um, getting some clarity about what kind of changes uh, the vision for change is for the, at least the next 12 months if not 24 months, get lots and lots of people involved, not because you're appointing them to one more task force where they're going to kind of die on the job from all the work, but because they want to, because they find it exciting, because their heart's into it. Pay attention to wins, 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 wins. Make it happen, broadcast it, celebrate it, and just uh, get this whole machine never to let up until you... You've got something great accomplished, and then you'll just continue it because change is 
is never going to stop. You'll be constantly transforming yourselves. Um, and the whole thing doesn't have to exhaust people. The best examples of this that I've seen are the change leaders. If you want to emulate somebody, you know, emulate somebody that does it right, and you don't end up exhausted. You end up um, um, just thrilled by the whole thing. It's exciting. It's fun. And life should be like that. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Dr. Carter, for sharing your thoughts and wisdom about how an organization could benefit from change and also what chops and what qualities and traits can a leader develop for them to become an effective change leader. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. And listeners, hope you enjoyed uh, the conversation and got the pearls of wisdom from Dr. Carter. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and please be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.